Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you ever look at your favourite celebrity and think, I wonder if we have anything in common? Well, there's at least one thing. No matter who you are, nobody knows you better than your mum. I'm Peter Todd. I'm a columnist for Fabulous magazine, where every week you can hear from the nation's most loved women on everything from fashion and beauty to health and fitness and pretty much everything in between. I'm also a model and a presenter, but my hardest job by far out of all of these is being a mum. Because mums shape who we are. They're there for us when we need them, even when we might not want them to be. So for this series, we decided to speak to some well-known incredible women and find out just what makes these female relationships so formative. This is Things I Told My Daughter. For this episode, I'm joined by Anna Williamson and her mum, Mary. You may have seen Anna on a range of shows, including This Morning, Good Morning Britain, and most recently, Celebs Go Dating. She's also a mum to her two children, Enzo and Eleonora. I got pregnant in 2015 with my son, Enzo Vincenzo. Very much wanted baby, planned pregnancy. Wanted a baby for donkeys, hadn't I? Yes, you had. Always Mm. wanted a baby. Anna is also a counsellor and life coach. She was inspired to train in this field after years of managing her own mental health battles with her general anxiety disorder. I came home one day and I walked into our living room and there you were sitting in, a, in the armchair, curled up, and I just took one look at you and I thought, whatever's the matter? Mm. And literally you'd had this crash. Weren't you about to go on? Go on air. Oh, yeah, go on air. I couldn't do it. That's, yeah. that's what I call my, my meltdown. Anna is so open and honest about her struggles and it was so inspiring to hear about her experiences. But don't just take my word for it. This is Things I Told My Daughter with Anna and Mary Williamson. Well, thank you very much, Anna, and lovely to meet you, Mary. Thank you for having us in your lovely house. Thank you, the granny house, the granny pad, as I call it. Oh, I mean... Oh, granny. Yeah, well, it's a bit granny pad, isn't it? Because oh, it looks granny. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Well, it is a bit at the moment. Because yeah. you're moving in. No surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Surprise! You never leave now. She's got keys to this house, so I have. We, uh, I have. We, yeah, she, she, she's quite keen. I've, I've come back once, and my mother had decided oh, yeah, to let herself in without even knowing, and was just casually eating her lunch. Eating my lunch. Yeah. Because, well, I was doing something somewhere in the village, and I needed to kill an hour and have some lunch. So why I was, not? Yeah, we we. Why yeah, not? We moved into the well. We come from. I come from this area, but I moved back into this village, which my mum tends to frequent quite regularly. A lot, yeah. Just all her church. It, bits to be honest, it's lovely. I think I would frequent exactly. here. Exactly. Yes, it's a lovely village. Well, the minute I started having children, I thought, gotta stay near the near the grandparents. Yeah. Free babysitting. Amy, <laughs> <laughs> hey, she was. I thought that was a coincidence. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not, not that much of a coincidence. Well, she hasn't told you that she used to live in this village actually before she was married, anyway, on and off. Mm. So you've actually been in this village for about 
on offer about five years before. I so that was a good to. cover story for coming back Great for childcare. It, it was. just felt like I wanted to come back. Come back. Home. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I like, I'm a very homely girl. Okay. I, the, I think the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, it doesn't. You are quite right. Yeah. I do. Yeah, no, I, it, that's not for everyone. Like lots of my friends, um, there's a real mix actually. Some who have just really wanted to explore and live somewhere completely far away from their family and some who like to stay close and I'm one of those ones who likes to stay close my brothers live near here yeah we're a bit of a close family really they the or the, the children are anyway and uh, they all seem to like to be near each other so, so you've got two brothers yeah I've got two so I've got an older brother Andrew and James who's um, younger than me, so oh, three middle, years middle child. Us, middle, yeah, middle I'm that. Child. I'm that infamous middle child. Okay, and um, yeah, it, for me, my 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 life is truly centered all around family, and I think the the older I get, like, but even when I've been younger and I've been gallivanting around the world, you know, in the name of sort of work and pleasure, I've always I'm like a homing pigeon. Okay. I've always come <laughs> home, and I think actually I've I've accepted that now as something that that's just part of me. Yeah. Yeah, I can't let go. <laughs> but also, I think the reason you're quite close is because if you actually are really honest with yourself, although you have gallivanted all over the place, um, you actually feel much more comfortable when you're actually near the family. I think, don't you? Oh, completely, mm. absolutely. Mm. I mean, I have um, as, as as anyone that that follows me or knows me, you know, I have a very well publicised anxiety disorder, mm. and again, it's something that I'm you know very proud and happy to to sort of wear um, as a label. <laughs> Some people get really funny about the label when it comes to um, issues or, or illness or anything like that or disorders. But actually a huge part of, of my anxiety, GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, which I manage really well, it, it is about feeling um, comfortable and feeling uh, secure. And yeah, that helps me, you know, knowing that I am around. I mean, it's, you know, it's important to live your own life and I do. Um, but at the same time, I do very much live in the present now and it's about enjoying who you've got around you now. Well, and I think mm. more than ever, I think everyone would probably relate to that like after this last sort yeah, of year absolutely. or so. I think yes, everyone, right. there'll probably be a lot more people maybe that thought they wanted to go off and do all of this because you had all the time in the world to kind of come back and be in those relationships and we don't know. I think mm. you're spot on, mm. actually. Mm. I don't know how yeah. you feel about that, Mum. I think definitely the pandemic has reaffirmed that to me when I, I and it's and it has been a, a sad time for so many and I've had you know so too many friends of mine that have lost um, loved ones some parents you know and it does put it into perspective and it and it is a fear of mine of course but at the same time it has made me think well do I want to be just you know swanning about as my mum would say gallivanting about you know yeah. yes sometimes I do but actually do I also want to just enjoy the people I've got around me now and make those times more meaningful yes I do as well and actually the pandemic for us I think has really been you know the silver lining of that has been that we've spent more time together because we yeah. we I we were able to be in a bubble because oh, of I had a, a bit under the one of one of the these wretched rules uh, yeah. which are coming more and more loose as they've gone on but when yeah. we were very much in the thick of it and we were all being very well behaved um, we came under the rule of having a, a, ch a baby under the age of one so we could bubble up and mum and dad lived 10 minutes away so we were able to bubble up with mum and dad okay. which was invaluable because um, my husband and I 
were definitely not coping very well when the pandemic first hit. Mm-hmm. I was feeling very anxious. I was still, I just still had a 12 week old. I was about to say, she, you, she was only a few months She was old, only a few she? months, yeah. And I just finished mm-hmm. filming Slebsco Dating. I'd never known what it was like to parent two children um, without help. Well, yeah. And then overnight that just get, got ripped away. So, and my husband was also finishing a degree because he'd gone back to do a complete and utter career change. So actually we ended up, well, we spent a lot of time together throughout the last year, which has actually been really lovely because we got into our own little routine, didn't we? Yes, yeah, we did. Walking and... Mm. All that kind of stuff. Well, yes, because under normal circumstances, you'd have probably been working and they're again probably all over the place. And yes, I think that's right. Were you always close growing up? You were always close to your mum sort of all the way through through teenage years? Yes, we were. Yes, we were actually. I I thought it might... As I said, well, when we were chatting earlier, yeah. um, I thought that Anna would be a problem. Could be a problem. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when, could, could possibly, child, possibly, when, perhaps. When she got to the early teens, I did sort of see a bit of evidence that things might go a little bit awry. But she's kept that evidence, just so you know. She has, That's right. Yeah. But actually, um, I tell you what, to actually change things, it was because unfortunately, uh, when you're around the age of about. 16, 15 maybe, 16, when you wanted to start doing things and going off. I don't know where she's hoping, going with this. Hoping that she could go off to clubs and things. It was a time when that poor girl Leah Betts uh, died mm-hmm. uh, with that uh, overdose well, of, yeah. of um, ecstasy. 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 That's right. And you, it was exactly at the time when you were wanting to go to some club up in Cambridge and I didn't want you to go. And um, then that happened. And suddenly you changed completely. And you never, ever asked to go anywhere anymore. Not like that, anyway. Not until you were at an age when you perhaps could do something. Quite honestly, Mum, uh, my friends and I, who you know really well, because yes, I'm still... We all shat our pants. Yeah. When, when Leah Bet and anyone that is from sort of my era will know mm, that, yeah, you remember completely. that, it was like oh, the biggest story. Mm. Leah Betts, you know, took a ecstasy pill that was... I don't know what was going on in the end, and, and it was awful. And I think, I think that did more good I think for warning everybody else mm. yeah and you suddenly thought oh gosh actually there yeah, this is quite mm. real yeah that, that had a big impact it on did. my generation I think it might well it had a big impact on you and after that you never seemed to be particularly bothered with anything like that and, honestly that I've never spoken about this that was no. the biggest don't do drugs for me that I ever needed it wasn't anything mm. I mean you know let's be honest when you're kids you know everyone's experimenting and you know we, mm. we, you know let's be real about that you know but Honestly, I I was I was too scared. It I was, was too scared. It was shocking, and yeah. it was just because it could have been anyone. It could have been. Yeah. Yes, it could have been. And I think it wasn't. You know, there wasn't ordinarily. Sometimes the media put like a real backstory on a person, and it's like, and they were actually in the background. They were doing all this terrible That's stuff, mm. and actually they were a delinquent. They yeah, were this. exactly. Was, it was a regular girl, girl from yeah. a normal family, exactly. from a normal school yeah. that just went out like I would. Tragically, um, who just yeah, had too took, much water and, or something, whatever uh, happened that night with. The, with these drug and it yeah. just happened after that you know things changed when, when you got into the, the singing the singing group and everything and somehow um, I don't know you just seemed to mature and, and weren't worried about anything like that mm. but as a child you hadn't been like that you'd been very very shy as a child really but very shy child oh yeah yes as I mean you actually remember you often say to me don't you that uh, you remember just hanging on to my Skirt, skirt or something and hiding behind me so you were a very shy little girl painfully yes and even when you left the village school and went on to a bigger school you had quite a bit of difficulty settling to start yeah. with and then gradually you came out of yourself but um 
No one believes it. No, no, no. one believes that I no. was honestly the most painfully shy child. Mm. And I, I, mm. I, I always remember it. Mum, you know, back in the 80s, you know, late 80s, mum always, you know, everyone, all the mums wore the skirt, the, yeah. long, the long skirt. And I was always hiding behind your skirt. Mm. And, I, and I, one of my biggest memories, I don't even remember this, in the butchers, but I always remember the butcher just, you know, leaning down one day and just going, hello, darling, or something. And I just remember being terrified. Well, to be honest, that sounds petrifying. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that does sound like always, the start yeah. of a, like some kind of I mean, butchers are not a great... Story. But you think about yeah. butchers, it's just a load of meat, a load of dead animals, animals and yeah. it smells. It's not, yeah. it isn't, it isn't a great place, actually. <laughs> but I remember being terrified and actually, yeah, mum's right, really. I, I went into a, a new school and I think the importance of... Like we were talking about this before the podcast, mm. you know, the importance of being nurtured by the right school, by the right teachers. Mm. And it yeah. is potluck. It really and is potluck. And they did. Potluck. It was a very and good they school. Did. And they nurtured you. And within a very short time, you settled. And then gradually... I was, I was vice... I got vice captain, didn't I? House vice captain. Oh, probably. I blossomed, mum. So... Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even know where to start because you're so... Which is like an amazing thing. So multifaceted. There's oh. so many aspects that are like right tell me all about the being a life coach tell me all mm. about the celebs go dating stuff because mm. there's so many angles to to that yeah. is it something are relationships something you've always been interested in so in like the dynamics of relationships was it a particular relationship that you'd had that thought actually this is what's made me interested in that or is it my mum's nodding and I don't know where she's going with this well I think that a lot of well, I know for a fact that your problems when you mentioned anxiety, oh, right, where yeah. they started, you weren't anxious as a child, even though you were shy, she mm. wasn't anxious as a no, child. No, I wasn't, no. And your anxiety started when you were about 25, mm. when you had a relationship, which was a controlling relationship, mm. wasn't it? And I, mm. we didn't know anything about it until... It was coercive control, really, yes. wasn't it? And well, which you, we now know in heart, with hindsight. Exactly, yeah. okay. and you started getting panic, having panic attacks. Yeah. And she used to ring me up in the middle of the night. Um, which you, you were living in London at the time. She yeah. had, had her own flat in London. And that is really where all oh, that started. That must have been awful as a mum. To... It, well, it was, it was. I used to have to sort of talk you out of it, didn't I, in the, mm. in the night? Um, and then, of course, that's 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 where it all. Well, that's where it is. Is where it all started. Also, yeah. Where you have to, so that's really your first experience, and our first experience, really, this anxiety, and really everything you've done in your life. I think has stemmed from that because from your own personal experience. Oh, completely. Mm. You're no, you're absolutely right. Mm. And I was, um, yeah, I was, yeah, it was in my mid twenties, and it was it was that relationship. Yeah, it was quite a defining relationship, and mm. I've had to do a lot of work to make peace with that relationship but peace with myself because you know I was one of those people that uh, probably before would not in a horrible way but in a naive way probably mm-hmm. be a bit sniffy about women that would stay in an abusive relationship or in a I think that's a lot of people though I right. think that would be a lot of people right and I think we all have that attitude of well, how can people stay you know mm-hmm. how can people be put up with that crap you know but actually until you're in it and I, and I would like to say I mean my, my relationship wasn't terrible terrible in a sense you know I wasn't you know uh, well actually no that 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 trivializes actually the mental health side of things because I think sometimes mental abuse is is often mm. as bad if not worse than physical mm. um there wasn't anything physical but mm. actually the emotional and mental side of things was was bad and I didn't even realize it myself until several years later when I learned about it more and even now I read certain case studies of people mm. and I think my God, that was me. But it's like that. They say, don't they, you know, like putting a frog in a 
in a pan and slowly turning the heat up, mm. they won't mm. realise it. As it's this going on, it. you right. don't really realise no. it. Mm. And to use another analogy, when you're in the eye of the storm, you can't see it. You can't see the collateral damage that's going to happen no. as a result of it. And this relationship I was in, fortunately, it was it, it wasn't last very, very long. And it didn't last and you very managed long. To stop, and you managed to stop it, fortunately. Well, I, I, think, well, I think your father got involved at one point at the end. Yeah, of, yeah. Mm, which he's never, doesn't, he's never done never before. Never done. Since. And actually, mm. more so out of both my parents. My mum and dad are, are, are still together, which is brilliant. How long have you been together now? 50 years? Nearly? For about 48. Yeah, oh, wow. still married. But I'd say out of my parents, they're quite... I think some of the best relationships are, are, are you know, yin and yang, chalk and cheese. And, and mum and dad, I am with my husband, I think, and mum and dad can be a bit like that too. You have your own interests. But at the same time, you know, my dad is as as chilled and as quiet as my mum is like a pocket rocket, you yeah. know. And I, But my dad has always been very laid back, you know. And I, again, I, and I love him and respect and appreciate him as much as I do my mum for having that mindset. Yeah. My dad is always, whatever you want to do, my darling, you do it. Yeah. He's never poked his nose in. He's never told me what to do my dad is always glasses half full whatever you want to do I'm behind you <laughs> I'm the glasses half empty you are no, but you are my mum my mum is risk averse my dad yeah. is 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 the risk taker you know and, and that but actually it's probably why I am who I am actually because I take both parts of my parents actually and I'm now this whatever you can see in front of you but it was the only time my dad has intervened and the truth hurts sometimes especially and the, but you, you need that truth sometimes from the people that care most about you and in it is in those times when you're in those horrible vulnerable situations as I was in this horrible sort of coercive control mentally abusive I guess psychologically abusive or manipulative I should probably say situation with this guy my mum and actually my my darling nanny had had told me a couple of little home truths Mm. um, which 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 cut deep you know because you know if it's coming from the two people it's also you do feel a bit of embarrassment I guess you know around that because it's like shit you know I, I can't hide this from from the people that know me best and who never say anything like this and it was actually my dad that um kind of helped me with that because I was upset with my mum and my nan for telling me that they didn't like this boyfriend because they were right he was yeah. a piece of work and my dad who normally has always got my back kind of in a far gentler way <laughs> brought me round to this way of thinking and uh and I and, and and it was the cause of and the start really of of yeah having what the the doctor labelled then uh, an emotional breakdown which it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was diagnosed with panic disorder and generalised anxiety disorder. I was in a bad way. Well, yes, because at that time you were actually working on was it Tunatic? Yeah, so I was on presenting Tunatic uh, ITV uh, kids show Saturday morning kids show every mm-hmm. weekend. It was a people... really crap time. It, it was, and, mm. and I I came home one day. I mean, you weren't actually living at home anyway because you, you were living in London. And mm. I came home one day and I walked into our living room and, and there you were sitting in, a, in the armchair, curled up. And I just took one look at you and I said, whatever's the matter? Mm. And literally you'd had this crash um, mm. while you're actually, well, you were actually, weren't you about to go on? Go on air. Oh, yeah, go on air. I couldn't do it. That's yeah. that's what I call my, my meltdown day. And I, mm. I, talk, I wrote my first book on anxiety, Breaking Mad, and I talk a lot about that. And that was, you know, my mental health or mental illness was presenting in so many ways that back then, you know, what, that was, what, 14 years ago? That no one, no one would recognise no it. I didn't recognise it. Truly, at that time, I thought I was going mad. I genuinely thought I was going mad. And the, the horrible, dark thoughts of you know, keeping that in, which is why I, I guess, as mum did say, that it did, I mean, what, what I have, 
have made peace with. I mean, I always turn a positive into a negative. I almost, I thank this guy now. Do you mean a negative into a positive? Sorry, yeah, negative into positive. <laughs> yeah. The other way around. Thanks, Mum. It's my, my whole brand down the toilet there. Uh, but, but I, I do, I, I actually thank, I, I have even thanked him to his face for really, um, yeah, thanks several years. Face. Him, what the one? Don't say his name. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah, I did a couple of years later. I saw him at work. Really? Because it was my way of making peace with it. Because yeah. actually what he did was completely change my life for the better. What did you actually say to him? Yeah, so what did you did? But mum's like, what's this? I saw him. So I'd gone through, you know, a lot of therapy, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and medication that we needed. My mum and dad were there. They helped rehabilitate me, basically, you know, bring me back up. Work were amazing. ITV were fantastic at the time, considering no one really knew what the hell to do about duty of care with mental health. Yeah. They were really supportive. And I had some excellent therapy, which is why I ended up going into therapy, because I found the whole thing fascinating. It was just my thing. I wanted to learn more about it. I saw him about maybe a year or two after I was, I came back, guns are blazing. Like I never look back. Well, I say never look back. Mental health is all about managing it. There is no such thing as cure. Life happens. You know, bereavements happen. That can knock you off, off heel. Ill health, a pandemic, mm-hmm. having a baby. All yeah, these yeah. things can derail you at any time, you know. So it's just about getting back on that horse again, recognising when you just need a little bit of extra TLC. But I'd gone back to work. I was loving life again. This was great. Like, woohoo, you know, got rid of him, which was great. You know, he finally buggered off excuse my language mum but it's the, it's the only way we can can we let that one go yeah have we can, that i feel we can like have in that. context yeah i feel yeah. like i could have yeah. said i could have said worse yeah but i, but I feel like you were you were kind to him so. was kind, yeah it's kind to my mum's ears but i saw him uh, at work because we we seen we worked vaguely in the same arena he was still a nuisance just sort of used to sort of hover around you know where he didn't need to be hovering around mm-hmm. and and work knew all about it you know work knew all about it but he didn't bother me anymore because I, I i actually i saw him for what he was actually quite a pathetic person i've genuinely pitied him and I pitied him. One day I could just see he was up the corner. I just and I was with a mate of mine actually, Nigel, who I used to who used to sometimes stand in as a presenter, and he knew all about it. And I went, he's still over there. And he went, what are you going to do? And I went, I'm going to go and just tell him, just leave me alone. And I, yeah, I don't know if I've ever told you this. So I saw him, and um, and I just went, what do you want? And he was like, what? What? Nothing. I'm just. I went, no, you're not just standing there. What do you want? Why are you hovering? You don't need to be in this part of the building. You don't need to be here. Trying to control you again. Probably, yeah. But you don't need to be here. What Mm. do you want? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Do you know what? It's really, and anyone listening to this as well, if you're in any way, if this resonates with anyone, the best thing, or I'm not saying this is for everybody, it's not, but for me, standing up to that person who had been a complete arse and had turned me into a shadow of my former self and made me question everything I knew, thankfully only for a bit, the best thing ever, the most cathartic thing was I looked him in the face and I just went, go away. I said, I feel sorry for you. You've taken enough of my life. I'm fine. Go and go and be happy and be happy away from me. Go away. And he did. And I've never seen him or heard of him ever since. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? And you know what? And it was almost like, and I always say it's because I had a PT at the time as well who he used to work in the ITB building. It just happened I was due to go and have a PT session. He knew about it as well. I loved old Ian. And um, I went running out to him out in the group. And it was almost like the Bridget Jones movie. It was R-E-S-P-C-T. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I went out there and went, Ian, Ian, I've just confronted him. And I've pretty much told him to bugger off. But in my own words, I felt you. And honestly, I've never looked back. And honestly, I view that whole situation and that whole period of my life as dark and as horrible. And when you are in the doldrums of a mental illness, it is the 
pit. It's the worst. I can totally, totally empathise with people that so sadly and tragically feel like the best decision in that in that moment is not to be here. Because sometimes living with those dark thoughts and those remunerating feelings, overwhelming, overwhelming. And I just implore everyone to get help because it does and it will and it can get better. I was a friend of Caroline Flack. I'm taking this way off. And my God, I, you know, Love Island's just started and I couldn't help mm. but think of her again, you know, this week. And, you know, the poor girl, you know, it would have got better. It would have done. It really mm. would have done. But to be in that moment where you feel that you just can't cope with it, is an awful feeling but I, I view that whole time of my life now as one of the sounds really controversial but having a mental illness um, and having that horrible situation was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it changed me as a person for the better it changed how I operate my life you know who I've gone on to meet and marry it changed my career and actually I have very much turned that whole episode into a massive positive because I wouldn't be working or feeling so strongly in the field of mental health as I do now if I hadn't been through that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. I'm proud to, to, to sort of fly the flag of someone that... Uh, that, that manages a, a mental health uh, issue, a, a condition, a disorder, whatever you want to call it, because I don't want people to think that you're lesser of a person or, a, you know, you can't do your job as well. You can't be as good a partner. You, can, you know, in fact, that I think I'm better in every way in my life as mm. a result of managing my mental health and yeah I have dips I have moments this pandemic you know I've had little flares where you know I have a, a slight fear of death you know or and I think it's a very common one and I think that's because we've been faced with so much we yeah. faced with so much of our mortality and we're thinking more about it you were it. having it in fact and figures every single day put oh, on the television the which ordinarily time. you wouldn't be yeah and then you've got my son asking me about it you worry mm. about you know I hadn't realized until I don't know if I've even told you this mum but until my parents got double vaccinated and my younger brother who has uh, he has a, a, a kidney condition a, okay. a medical condition which meant he was in the vulnerable category I hadn't realised how much I'd been carrying quite a lot of anxiety health anxiety around them not about myself or my husband or necessarily my kids but when they all got double vaccinated I genuinely felt this sort of sigh really I feel quite emotional thinking about it now and I hadn't realised how much I'd been carrying that around with me there'd be a, a lot of people that would be able to relate and be in a similar situation Situation, which is having had mental health struggles beforehand then the apprehension that then that can have going into motherhood going into having a baby and all the things that those big changes in hormones for one in lifestyle in support in what you know in mm. your grounding 
setup that mm. just go out the window <laughs> the minute that you're pregnant. And was that something that you were aware of going into it or was that something that kind of took you a bit by surprise to the level that that was going to be? Uh, it smacked me in the face like mm-hmm. a shovel, didn't it? Yeah, and, and actually, um, I mean, this is the beauty of hindsight once again. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I was put on this earth to experience all these things in order to then get better again and then preach it and help other people. Oh. But yeah. <laughs> you had to go through rather a hard time to do that, pretty, didn't you? Pretty, pretty crap mm. time, Mum, yeah. So yeah, so my, my anxiety disorder, which was, you know pretty dormant for for many many years until I got pregnant in 2015 with my son Enzo Vincenzo very much wanted baby planned pregnancy wanted a baby for donkeys hadn't I yes you had always Mm. wanted a baby and yet I got pregnant with him didn't enjoy it Mm. (laughs) and that was a pretty horrible isolating feeling and what I now know what I didn't know at the time, because I think we tend to use hormones as a catch-all, actually was my anxiety disorder raging again, because I was on a low dose of anti-anxiety medication, SSRI, which the GP um, wrongly told me to come off very quickly. Um, so I would just caveat that with anyone that is on a, any form of medication of anything, mm-hmm. when you get pregnant, please take the relevant professional opinion if it's particularly if it's mental health ask for a mental health professional a gp or a psychiatrist or a perinatal uh, uh, psychologist someone that is trained in that area to be able to give you the correct information because i came off medication i then had no psychological support i should have really gone into some sort of psychological therapy really through Mm. pregnancy to to, to, well now knowing but that's in hindsight though at the time But I ended up having nine months of a raging anxiety disorder that came back full throttle, undiagnosed, unrecognized by me. My poor husband must have thought, what the hell is going on with this woman? I mean, I was erratic. Uh, Didn't enjoy being pregnant. Didn't tell anyone I didn't enjoy being pregnant because no one wants to hear someone not enjoying pregnancy, especially when I had a best friend going through several rounds of IVF. I mean, Mm. how dare I? And also, in fact, in fairness, if you you didn't enjoy it, you actually had a perfectly normal pregnancy. This is it, wasn't it, You were perfectly well. Well, this is it. But this is the the, the parity and the importance between mental and physical health. Now, physically, that that pregnancy was a joy, wasn't it? Yes. I I had no problems at all. Uh, And also got pregnant very quickly. And, you know, some people might be listening to this now going, you know, because... because that, like I said, what, you you what, yes, what are you moaning about? You got pregnant mm. in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Boom, at 35 years old. Lovely, excellent. Had a pretty good pregnancy, as you say. Mm-hmm. But I was dreading. I had a very big fear of the birth. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy the pregnancy. I, With hindsight, I should have found out. I mean, should have, would have. Should have found out what sex he was. I wanted a surprise. And for me, and this was a huge part of my second pregnancy, which for me really worked, not knowing what gender he was, I really believe hindered my bonding process with him mm-hmm. in my tummy because I couldn't visualize him. I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do a nursery specifically for him. I couldn't pick a name. You know, it was just still a baby. Yeah, I think that would be not an uncommon feeling Probably in not. terms of. Mm. And it was different when I was pregnant with Eleonora. I visualized. I knew eight, eight weeks she was a girl. It was a different experience. I think for me as well. I mean, I mean, hindsight's a, a wonderful thing to flirt with. But so I ended up having him. But it was a. It was a crap labor. It was a crap birth. It was long. I was overdue. It was 40 hours. It was a forceps delivery. I hemorrhaged. I wasn't conscious when I gave birth. And, and, and basically something went wrong with the epidural as well. She, there was, yeah, we had, she was we, very ill. We had a, mm. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of issues there. Mm. And I remember when I birthed him, the disappointment and sadness of not being able to be fully conscious when he was born. And I remember, I will never forget the feeling, the feeling of I just felt sad because I could hear him crying in the theatre 
I could hear my husband crying tears of joy, you know, saying, well, we've had a boy, we've had a boy. And I honestly remember my first, my first thought of motherhood was, waited nine months for this moment and this is it. And it was a really shit moment is the only way I can describe it. And, you know, it got me physically all back together. And um, and even the, it was the little things like they, t- I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful this happened, but it was still emotions I had to make peace with because my poor mum, who, who we drafted in halfway through labour because we weren't coping, basically. We were having a row halfway through labour, weren't we? Alex was being Apparently. a pain in the arse, and I was equally being a pain in the ass, and you know all the nct and hypnobirthing went well out the window yeah. um so mum <laughs> got drafted plans, in yeah, yeah and, that, and i think this is where it comes down to you know you just want your mum don't mm. you it doesn't matter how old you are sometimes depends on your relationship with your mum but i just wanted my mum didn't want my husband fanning about and getting it wrong trying to massage my back i just wanted my mum and you know i remember sitting on the swiss board remember in, in the lounge and my poor mum who's very slight as you'll see mm. and i needed her to put her full weight behind her hand massaging my back through a back-to-back contraction and they just wouldn't stop, would they? And mm. I just remember the one had back to back labour. So awful. I feel you. Yeah. Hell on earth. And uh, and and so thankfully, mum was there, you know, right through to to the the bitter end. Um, but you know, poor mum had been up for several days. And I remember when they did, I did give birth. They they had to sort of shift the baby out of the theatre whilst they sort of sorted me out. So they took him to mum, and I, they took him to grandma, you know, in the in the recovery room. But even that moment was taken away from me, you know, which obviously mm. it had to happen. It was yeah. the right thing to do. Mm, well, yeah. Of course, it was the right thing to do. So obviously, you're going to give the newborn baby to his grandma while everyone else is faffing about trying to sort me out. But that moment was taken from me because who introduced me to my son? My mum did, you know. Now, actually, that's a lovely thing Mm. that you introduced me to him. Mm. But And you always talk about that 10 minutes you had with this little orphan he felt like. (laughs) (laughs) But it must have been a terrible time for my mum. But it was very very worrying. I I can kind of relate to a small degree because it sounds very similar, actually, to my first labour. And my mum, I remember my mum saying a similar thing and that when she'd left... The hospital once everything had kind of mm. I was out of theatre and, and everything else and she said I just remember her next door neighbour seeing her standing in the supermarket aisle just staring at something and saying oh like is it like did, did Peter have the baby whatever and she said she just looked shell-shocked absolutely shell-shocked she said mm. I was just standing down this aisle and I didn't even know what I was looking at mm. but I was just standing there because it's her uh, baby and yeah and she mm. so I can relate yeah I can yeah, I kind of feel yeah. that. Well, you scenario. you you felt because you said afterwards. I mean, I I ended up having terrible terrible postnatal uh, depression, anxiety, birth trauma. You name it. I mean, we we were it was we, bad. Yeah, mm. I mean, I with hindsight, I should have actually been admitted to a mother mother baby unit. Yeah, because uh, postpartum psychosis was very very uh, present. I was hallucinating. I had intrusive thoughts. It was a horrible time. I wasn't sleeping, which is a huge. Uh, we didn't know at the time, did we, Mum? Yeah. But but the lack of sleeping and again all these things are just insult to injury because everyone goes sleep when the baby sleeps I couldn't flip in sleep the, 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 the trauma I couldn't sleep all I could hear was babies crying and you couldn't eat either I couldn't eat your no. eating reflex had gone as well yes. you? you just wouldn't eat you just wouldn't eat um, yeah. you were in an oh absolute state and in fact it was a midwife that said to you one of the mid- a community midwives said to you why don't you go and stay with your mother and really, I did have, just had to take over the baby, you, and everything, really, because um, yeah. I just think I'm grateful that I was around, you mm. know, because some mothers live miles away or not there. Um, because, mm. and, and then I, but I didn't know at the time until sometime later, well, a long time later, that you were having these 
bad thoughts about the baby even. Mm. Um, mm. So it's a jolly good job that you did come to us, isn't it? And, and then, so yes, and you, sorry, so you were saying, so a few months after... Well, when poor mum then had, like, delayed. When everything you know. settled down mm. and when you did bond with the baby and everything was fine, you felt much better... I did. I, I felt as if I'd had sort of post-traumatic stress as well. You did, you did. But yeah, you did. You did. I did. You did yes, have PTSD. I did. Because you'd gone through what, you know, at one point on my birth notes, we saw it, well, you know, mother in critical situation, you know, mm. probably the same as you then. Mm. I mean, for you, mum, I mean, well, I know we've talked about this loads. And mum came to me to birth reflections as well, which um, I don't know if anyone, you know, knows about, but you can go back and look over your birth notes if you need mm. some sort of closure or some mm. sort of piece. Because I needed to piece together what the hell happened in, mm. in that labour. Mm. You know, and mum came with me for that, which I think was probably beneficial for you too, oh, actually. Well, it was, yeah. To, to know yeah. what the hell happened. Yeah. And I think this, this is, well, I, I know this as a, as, a, as a pro in this arena, but when and my husband felt the same four months after, when I was better, mm. when I'd suddenly started to get get, get my, my stuff together, oh, great, yeah, motherhood is it's coming to me now. I love my little boy so much. I mean, he's my absolute Achilles heel, my boy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was at that point that, that mentally and emotionally you can drop the reins a bit. Um, everyone else around you you can kind of and that and, adrenaline that mm, fight or mm, flight that you're this in is it. That's and, right. and your brain is so and your brain is so wired this is why with children you know with tr- children and trauma it's very it's very interesting because the brain shuts off when children suffer extreme trauma or grief or bereavement their brain shuts down because they can't process it in the immediate moment and it gradually seeps out when the brain knows that you are more able to cope with going through that situation and it was the same for mum remember you were saying you I mean what did you feel mum at that time what afterwards? Well, yeah, you, you felt know, quite anxious, didn't you? Yes, I actually I, I can't quite remember now what I did feel, but I, I, all I remember, yes, I, I probably did feel anxious. I think, well, as you say, I think it's it's like anything when you're. I'm a person that it, I'm a, sort of the old-fashioned sort of mother that just gets on with things. Yeah. You, as as Prince Philip used to say, you just get on with it, and uh, and I did just get on with it. And you don't tend to think when you're in a crisis um, any of the implications really. But I think when you've then got time to sit back after it's all over and when you think thank goodness everything's settled down your own emotions come to the fore Mm. so um yes I probably did feel very anxious for a time I didn't have any treatment for it um Mm. I just got on with life as I do but um certainly it did affect me most definitely kind of recognizing though at that point you know well that's right and I think yes and I think the thing is you can't be teflon all the time no no and I think the thing is I've I've worked in the medical line for years anyway so I'm used to hospital situations and I knew that she was in a very serious situation. Well, I, I knew afterwards, rather, that she'd been in a very serious situation mm-hmm. um, with her own life. And I think when it's all settled down, as you say, you go back and you think, what if, you know, yeah. weren't we fortunate that actually we've still got her, got the baby? And I think you do. I think you sort of relive it. So I think that's how the stress comes in. Yeah. Because you're thinking of, of, of what it, what could have happened. I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of women that would really, really resonate with them about that if you've had a traumatic birth. Oh, absolutely. And, and as well, I think it's, like you said before, the fact that trauma is relative to you. So mm. just because you might say, oh, I had a really bad birth, and mm. someone else will be like, well, my birth was 10 times worse than yes, yours, so what right. are you moaning about? Right. And I think women aren't necessarily given that time, like you say, to go back through and actually unpick why did this happen mm. 
okay, this is why it happened. This was, we can avoid this. We can't avoid this. This was unlucky. This is, but just to put it together, because in that moment, your faculties are not all yeah, there no. to understand uh, what's and, going on. And, and, and hormones, hormones I, I think we, very, very I don't know if I'm saying strong. this in the right way, but I think we over-normalise birth. Because so many people do it, hmm. because every, yeah. you know yeah. half the world do it, yeah. and babies are being popped out, was it, every second or whatever yeah. it is. You know, every, every every day and week, we know someone had a baby, don't we? Yeah. And I think, and I, and I know from my own experience of thinking this, something, it's, it is an enormous task. Mm. You know, back in the day, women died in childbirth well, exactly. frequently. I actually had this yeah. very, it's massive. a very similar conversation with someone at one of my son's tennis the other day. The mum's pregnant at her second. And she said that she was trying to kind of get together to see her notes from before because she was really nervous and this, that and the other. And and I just thought one of the other mums had then mentioned what her labour had been like and it was awful. And I could see the first mum that was speaking like, almost just shrink back a little bit to be a bit like, oh, well, now I feel silly because mine wasn't that bad. No, and it's, it's like, all relative. It, it, is it completely is. And I think that it is, it, it, like you say, it is completely over-normalised, I think. Mm. And it, I, think you just, I think mm. it's trivialised, you know, and I think, that, you know, I've got a friend right now as we speak. She's a, she's, she's due any any day now, you know, and, and, it's, and it's brilliant and it's so exciting. But I think I think we all just, yeah, I think we just need to sometimes just be a bit kinder to ourselves and to, to, to other women around us that are giving birth. Just, just because we all, well, not we all, yeah, a lot of us do it, it, it doesn't mean it's not a massive thing. Your body, and you, you will never be the same again. And I think because everyone pops the baby out every five minutes we all we all sort of gloss over it and go oh isn't that baby lovely oh that's lovely there's a nice outfit mm. and I do really think we forget about the person that has just gone through this whole yeah. ordeal whether it's a brilliant birth my, my manager had a brilliant birth two brilliant births yeah. brilliant in inverted commas but she had her own her own thing going on still yeah you know, we've still got our own worries around that and I think and then it changes each time when you've yeah. got other children at home it as does, well yes. then you're going in with a different especially if you've not had a good first labor and then you're you've got this other little person at home and then you've got a different level of worry it's like well if something happens to me what about them that's right it is it's that it's it is it's the worry of the responsibility and I think Mm. it is that it changes Mm. every time there's something else something different Mm. but oh well I think it's so amazing that there are people that advocate so strongly for you know like the use of the services that are available because you definitely wouldn't know that they were there there's so much out and I think and just sorry just I meant to say just to touch on that with the birth notes anyone can access their birth notes I don't think people know this Mm -hmm. they're in archive even if you've given they they will always stay in your hospital if if you gave birth in a hospital Mm -hmm. up until a year after Mm -hmm. you've given birth and then they go into like a national archive where my birth notes were because I my my consultant wanted them to have a check through what had happened in the first birth and you just have to send an email and you have to request them you might have to pay £15 admin charge or something but you can request your birth note I've got mine Mm. and actually even there just before I gave birth second time I hadn't read through the whole birth notes and it was hugely cathartic Mm -hmm. to look look through so if anyone feels like they will gain from from reading the birth notes you can anyone can access them it's just not publicized it's almost time to say goodbye to Anna and Mary but just before I leave This series on Things I Told My Daughter, we're seeing just how well our duos really know each other with a little maternal dilemma. We give each one a classic parenting conundrum and see if their answers match. The dilemma is, you've come back and you have caught one of the children have stolen a couple of pounds. We're not talking big, high, high level crime, but just a couple of pounds (laughs) from your purse. High level crime. What do you do? How do you deal with this? This is quite interesting, actually, because my son 
tried to steal uh, a power <laughs> coin from my dad, his granddad, oh. the other week, didn't he? Oh. Um, so how do I deal with that? He's coming up five, so I would confront him. Mm-hmm. I would we would talk about um, the difference between stealing and giving and the rights and wrongs around that um so I wouldn't tell him off per se it would be a firm this is what's right and this is what's wrong because he is a child that will understand what is right or wrong if he did it a second time then he'd have something confiscated and removed okay that's probably how I deal with it I'd talk him through what the rights and wrongs were around stealing and what what is my private uh I say my private area That's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Um, That's a different dilemma. Yeah, what's my you know private purse, you know, yeah. and, and what's not? Why what would you say, Mum? No, I agree with it. That's actually yeah? what would uh, you say? Yeah. I said the same thing that I was confront it, talk to them about it, the rights and wrongs. Yeah. And that they shouldn't do anything it shouldn't do shouldn't steal if they want anything they should ask. And as you say, if they did it again, then you do something about it. Have so a punishment. Have a punishment yeah. 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 Look at you, you little again. peas in a pod. Apple well, doesn't fall uh, far uh, from the tree. It doesn't. <laughs> It was so nice to spend time with Anna and Mary. You can see what a strong family bond they have and what a fantastic support system they are. Honestly, I could have spent all day there, but I have my own kids to get back to, so they probably wouldn't thank me. Join me next time for another tell-all fantastic mother and daughter conversation. And don't forget, you can read Fabulous Magazine every week in The Sun on Sunday or every day at thesun.co.uk slash fabulous. It's packed full of affordable fashion and beauty tips, plus even more interviews with our most loved female celebs. Before you go, we'd love it if you could follow the podcast. You can do it via your preferred podcast app, and it means that you'll never miss an episode. And we'd love it even more if you could give us a rating and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Peter Todd, and this has been Things I Told My Daughter. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.